hello, you're listening to CQ University's podcast, The Grapevine. It's Mary Bolling with you this week, and I'm on our Melbourne campus chatting to one of the many stars of CQ Uni Melbourne, Nancy Greer, who is a researcher and also a PhD student with CQ University. G'day, Nancy. Hi, Mary. How are you going? Yeah, good. So tell us a bit about your role on campus, and then I've got some burning questions for huh. you. <laughs> Um, well, as you said, I, I'm a research assistant, so I work in the um, Experimental Gambling Research Laboratory doing a whole range of research projects with my colleagues on gambling-related stuff, and I'm also doing my PhD. I'm in my third year on gambling-related stuff. <laughs> so. Gambling-related stuff. It sounds very yeah. exciting. Um, and you've been a researcher for 13 years, which has taken mm-hmm. you from your home in Brisbane up into the wilds of central Queensland, and now you're down in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. But I want to start, I guess, in the middle. Tell me what was going on when you were standing at Kiwana Crocodile Park outside Rockhampton and interviewing people who had just held a crocodile. What was that all about and what was going through your mind? <laughs> well, um, I moved for that job okay. so in the middle of Rockhampton and I didn't know what I was getting into when I first got there. <laughs> um, so it was a bit crazy. So I'll tell you the point about the study yeah. maybe. Um, so with gambling, um, you get excited when you gamble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a bit of a, and then when you get excited, that in, makes you gamble more. But it's a bit of a chicken and an egg. You can't tell which came first. So um, we had to design a study, and um, my boss at the time, now my boss now, um, Matthew Rockloff, designed this study to pick something which no one could identify would get them excited like get their heart rate up and stuff like that and so in walk the crocodile farm um (laughs) and so they go through this tour of a crocodile farm and the tourists at the end have the option of holding like a a meter-long crocodile right um and it was those people that i selected um to ask them if they wanted to gamble afterwards on my computer or on a little poker machine and um to see if their reaction was they gambled longer than the people who I interviewed uh, before the, they went on tour. Right, so okay. The excited people versus the non-excited croc people. Okay, so this is a, it seems like a very Australian kind of study. Like, you couldn't do it anywhere else in the world, could you? No, and I, I think you could do it in NT, and, but only really central Queensland where there's crocodiles everywhere. Yeah, and your, your findings were pretty interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, so you have with gambling, you know, mostly recreational gamblers, but you have people who have problems. Mm-hmm. And so we found that the people with more problems actually didn't gamble more due, due to their excitement. They actually gambled less. Okay. Whereas those people who, because we also asked them if their experience of gambling was, if they're feeling positive or negative at the time. Okay. Um, so the more the recreational gamblers, when they were excited, they gambled more. So it's kind of they're interpreting their excitement in different ways so maybe the problem gamblers are saying well i need to stop now this is not good but the more um recreational people are going i'm gonna win i'm gonna win and they keep going so right cool on that post crocodile high yes yes i suppose (laughs) but but how you interpreted that so either in a negative or positive way actually did mediate what was going on right that's interesting and so you said you moved to central queensland for that job was was studying gambling always the passion how did you 
end up in this really interesting field? Um, completely randomly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gamble, perhaps. Yeah, um, someone saw an ad in the paper for research and it didn't say anything about crocodiles. I knew it was about gambling. Right. Um, and I didn't know it was about crocodiles till the end of the interview when I said, well, what's this research about? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I guess I might have been interested about gambling because we I have a few people in my family who, who love to gamble and have yeah. experienced some harms associated with that. So when, you know, I went for my interview, I was just honest and said, like, you know, I know a bit about gambling. I grew yeah. up around gambling and I have no judgment, but I know people have problems. So I thought, right. well, okay. Okay. I need a change. It, it uh, sounds like a good fit. And had you held a crocodile before that time? <laughs> no, but I, I did before I I, I started the study. Okay, yes. right. So <laughs> I even uh, ate crocodile while I was there. <laughs> oh my gosh! So possibly the crocodile is more scared of you than you are of the crocodile. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Okay, so you had been a researcher already before you moved to Central Queensland for that role. How did you get into research in the first place? No, that was my first role. That oh, was okay. Yeah, so I'd graduated and spent a bit of time um, away from the degree I did because yep. I wanted a bit of a break. Uh-huh. So that was actually my first research-related role. Right. Yep. So what, what had you studied? What? Oh, I studied um, a degree in psychological science, so psychology and statistics. Right. So usually people would go into counselling, but I knew it's not what I wanted to do, and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then um, research kind of popped up, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I needed a change. I was 24, and I moved up there. Yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah. what had you known about Central Queensland before you moved up there as well? Uh they had cows. <laughs> that was about it. Okay. Nothing. I'd never so been there before. Multiple edible animals was pretty much all you knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, let's get away from crocodiles for a second. So now you're fully immersed in gambling research. Since that first study, where's where's your career taken you? Um, so that was on contracts. So I worked with Matt Rockler for a couple of years and we did other stuff from the crocodile study. We looked at different motivations for gambling. So to escape from your problems, yeah. um, to be excited. Um, we looked at the influence of people around you who gamble. So more of a social facilitation. Right. And once that research was done, I, I moved back to Brisbane uh-huh. and I got a job for a private research company. Um, doing mainly large-scale government projects, yeah, right. social research. Uh-huh. So, um, and that particular company, within a couple of years, won a huge project on homelessness. Okay. So, um, and they needed someone to get it up and running. So they said, "Can you come to Melbourne for six months on a secondment?" So they moved me here temporarily, and I just stayed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that went for three years, and that was. Uh, following people who are experiencing homelessness um, to see what factors are driving it uh, them in and out. So that was a really good project to be a part yeah, of. Wow, yeah. that's big and so topical. Moving to Melbourne for that, but did you feel like you were seeing more homelessness in your day-to-day life as well as studying it so closely? I was a project manager, so I managed the interviewers who went out there. But yeah, yeah your eyes kind of open to it and... I mean, Melbourne's well populated and I lived around the city. In Brisbane, I didn't. I lived near the beach. Right. So, yeah, it was in... I could see it a lot more. 
Yeah, look, obviously, especially with a lot of the work that CQ University is doing in the social innovation space, um, I think homelessness is probably one of those big issues that, yeah, so many minds are trying to wrestle with at the same time. How, what was your big takeaway from your research? Um, I think people uh, primarily see homelessness as sleeping rough on the street. Yeah. But what this study looked at was people who are in different levels. They might be staying in boarding houses or mm-hmm. hotels. So it's very, it's not stable. Yeah. So um, that opened my eyes to that. And that very much a part of it was um, family violence and domestic violence, a history of having foster care. So really unstable childhood backgrounds and lack of social support were the main things that we would see and it's pretty heartbreaking when you um yeah look at the individual stories that we had and particularly when we interviewed people who were 15 years and older um it was it's a tough study to do yeah Yeah. um and I guess gambling and gambling research hasn't completely taken you away for that but um I'm really keen to talk about your research now which is a field of gambling that probably most people don't even know about. Can you explain what e-gambling and skins are as well? Um, so um, e-sports is electric, uh, electronic sports, which is basically video gaming mm-hmm. taken to the competitive level. Yeah. So think of sports betting. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, think of sports and how you go to the stadium to watch it, you watch it on your TV. This is video gaming on the competitive scale. <laughs> So, Did it take uh, you a while to get your head around that? Because I'm sure people are listening to this and just going, so people are watching other people playing huh. on their video consoles and they're betting on it. Yeah. It? Well, no, in stadiums, like actual teams being there. Well, yeah. And yeah, they, get, right. they get paid for whoever wins. They get sponsored. It's just getting massive. But, yeah, I didn't know it was a thing because I don't play video games. Uh-huh. But in my research at CQ before I started my PhD because I came from that private company and, yeah. and found my way back here. I'd done some stuff on mobile pokies. So okay. if you've ever have kids and you've seen them play um, little games on their phone that look like casino games. Right. We did a study on that. Okay. Um, to see if that influenced them migrating to other forms of gambling oh, like parents must have their yeah. heads in their hands here because yeah. did it um it, it did the earlier they were if they started playing these games underage and this is a ret- retrospective look yeah when we looked at 18 to 25 year olds it did actually see a high percentage of those who are engaged in gambling as yeah. adults really so, yeah and so the topic i have about video gaming and gambling is sort of that same convergence between um being immersed in video games and then being introduced to gambling through, at the same through the games yeah. yeah and then one aspect of this research is that it's not just betting money can you explain that oh yeah yeah so you've got your video games but you also have if you play any games yourself you know that um you have items in these games okay. so let's consider uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive is a first-person shooter game, so they have weapons. <laughs> of course. They have weapons. And what you can do is um, buy these weapons in the video game store. So right. if you want a weapon to make you play better, 
you know, you can buy one or you can play lots of hours and get ones. But then there's this other thing. If you want to make your gun look pretty, you know, if you want to make it have, have different patterns on it, okay. um, that's what's called a skin, so a virtual item. A yeah. cosmetic item has no function. It just makes it look better. Okay, right? so people can see you coming and know it's you kind of thing. And yeah, and you, you, you show it off in game. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of them are rare. Some of them are really rare. They've got different tiers. Okay. And the rarer ones are worth a lot of money, right? Like how much money? Uh, in the thousands. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and for some particular skins, and Counter-Strike's one of yeah. them, you can sell them on different websites for okay. money. Right. Right. And then there's websites where you can use those items to bet on esports. Okay. So how, how many... People, I guess it's a global thing. All these games are being played all over the world. Like, how many yeah. people are we talking, do you reckon? Oh. Who are gambling with these non-money decorations for guns? <laughs> it's really hard to tell. I mean, all these websites are unregulated. Yeah. Um, they shut down. They reappear. They. It, it's been an um, interesting ride seeing the development of it. Yeah. Um, and then also there's loot boxes. You can get skins out of loot boxes. It's been okay. in the news recently, if anyone knows. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's been no population studies on how many people are doing this. Okay. Except in the UK, um, mm-hmm. 10% right. of people had gambled with skins, either on esports or other types of games. So they have stuff like roulette or blackjack. Okay. That yeah. seems really high, but, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, estimates, are, uh, we really, really don't know what's going on. So Yeah, and I guess that unregulated aspect is something that's really interesting to you because, yeah, you must be one of the first people looking at it. Yeah, um, I know people have looked at esports betting, mm-hmm. but um, there's not much research out there on skin betting. Yeah. Um, and I'm slowly getting my research out there. I presented it at conferences. Um, I'm getting papers ready to publish, um, so hopefully soon you guys will see the fruits of my PhD. Um, I'm also actually, um, I won an early career research grant. Oh, congratulations. Uh, last year from the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. Okay. And it's through this study that I'm um, also looking at esports betting and skin gambling in uh, an Australian population. Right. Because my PhD looks at an American population. So we can able to compare the two and it's a larger sample. So and I'll, in this one, I get to compare it to video gamers and esports people who don't bet with skins to see if there's any differences between the two. Okay, so, right. Yeah. And, you know, people have this image of researchers, you know, back on their computers and, you know, crunching numbers and a bit removed from their subjects. But um, it sounds like it's been a very immersive experience for you. You actually went to an esports event like can I, you tell us about that i did i went to the inaugural melbourne esports open okay. last october right so i think they have another one coming up um and i got to see um overwatch people playing games against each other and how big are we talking was it like a you know sporting stadium atmosphere it was at rod laver arena oh my gosh um, <laughs> 
uh, it wasn't as big as what I thought it was, but I think once it takes hold, it's just going to get bigger and bigger yeah. as the stats are showing the audiences for esports are just growing and growing with yeah. every year. I was surprised too because at that event they had um, local kids from from high school and stuff doing their competitions with each other before the main event started. So you've got kids competing in esports with each other at schools. It's becoming a a sport. Representing their schools? With each other, yeah. Yeah, Much like you would at a sports day with each other. Yeah, same with universities. They have teams up and running for esports. Okay. It's a brave new world, isn't it? Or perhaps not even that new. Um, So what's the weirdest thing you've come across so far in that world? Mm, um, Not weird, but just... Um, I, when I do, when I'm doing the research, I, I've collected all my data, but I interviewed people who do this kind of betting. So I spoke yeah. to them up an hour or two hours. Uh-huh. And some of them um, had experienced a lot of harms from engaging this activity, a lot right. of um, money spent. Really? But it just highlights that these activities, when they go unregulated, when they go unnoticed by parents, mm-hmm. it can cause quite a lot of harm for, for the the underage gamblers. Yeah, you know. I'm sure a lot of parents are listening and wondering what some, <laughs> um, thinking about perhaps they'll check in it's on not, a bit of a gaming at home. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's an, a unique story. It's not the the standard story. Yeah, but, but much yeah. like mainstream gambling, I suppose, yeah, yeah, it can get quite out of control. Yeah, and it's sort of, in a way, if they're engaged in these activities at a younger age, it might prime them to continue gambling on other activities when they become of legal age. Yeah, you know, it does like, sound really insidious, doesn't it? I wonder, with all your research around gambling, yeah, what your take on it is now, because... Obviously, this research needs to happen to see those extreme cases like you've described with that young man. Do you see a remedy in the community as well? Um, I think with gambling in general, in the past, you've worked from a clinical model. So you've got population studies and they might say, oh, only 1% of the population have gambling problems. But that's not true. It's when you look at it from a harm perspective, like how is it harming them and how is it harming other people they know and even the community um it's much much of a larger issue than what you think yeah so so that's the main thing that i've learned from the research i've been involved in yeah and i think um people are coming to understand that a harm perspective is a better way to look at this yeah um and also what can be done i guess with the type of gambling I'm looking at with children yeah. um, is more of an education on what, what's happening for parents and and not to scare them to say, you know, video gaming is a fun activity, is a good activity, but just be aware that there's these other elements of it yeah. and to be mindful to, to have those conversations with your kids about this. So um, yeah. an awareness around it. And, and educating parents and helping them navigate this new landscape, which they might not be aware of, could be a good um, a benefit of doing this research. That sounds really, yeah. really smart and really positive. So good to have your insider perspective on that. What about you? Are you now that you can, you know, being so immersed in the gambling world for work, do you have a new perspective on um, the big decisions you've made in life and where you've perhaps taken a gamble or two? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I no, not really. Um, I just sometimes 
go where opportunities are as you haven't noticed already yeah. um <laughs> and i'm happy with where i am we associate gambling with risk-taking behavior do you think you are a risk taker or oh no are you from the other side <laughs> I have a, a calculated risk-taking. <laughs> Excellent. Every now and then I'll make a, a really big decision and, like, moving state and stuff like that. But, no, I'm, I'm pretty risk-averse, I think. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's paying benefits for you. Tell us about life in Melbourne and uh, on Melbourne campus as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty friendly. We've got a whole bunch of students here. Um, I'm... Uh, here with my colleague VJ, he's another researcher. Yeah. So we work here together, and I believe we have another staff member starting up here. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, we're right across from Southern Cross Station. There's lots of good food places nearby. Uh-huh. And <laughs> That's what a good spot. You came to Melbourne for the job, but was there anything mm-hmm. else about Melbourne that appealed to you? I'd only been here once, right. really. Okay. Um, so. No, I just, I just saw it as an opportunity to move somewhere. And I, I, it was a secondment, so yeah. try it out for six months. And the culture here is there's so many, like, things to do and see. And, yeah, so. right. And um, I guess one of the big things about Melbourne is the public transport and everyone's taking public transport here, there and everywhere, and especially to and from work. Um, we're recording a podcast now, obviously, um, but you're a bit of a podcast enthusiast as well. Yes, I love my podcast. I, um, it takes me an hour and a half to get to work because wow. I live out in the wine region in the Yarra Valley and I listen to podcasts when I'm cool. going well, in and out. Obviously, everyone listening is a podcast listener as well. Any recommendations you think that everyone uh, should be jumping onto? Oh, this might give away my in- other interests, but um, <laughs> I, don't, I listen to a lot of True crime podcast. Yeah. So there's a lot of good investigative journalism out there in Australia right now. So okay. I guess I've been listening to um, Trace and The Lady Vanishes and, and different ones that are done by particularly Melbourne, um, actually journalists yeah, right. looking into true crime. Oh. Or occasionally the Ron Burgundy podcast. There's something to make me laugh in the morning. So. <laughs> that, especially if it's an hour and a half commute, that sounds very necessary. And I guess, you know, true crime, does that fit into your original um, original studies as well with psychology? Is that, is oh, that... Not really. I mean, I guess maybe I should have done criminology, but... <laughs> I guess well, my psych degree looks at mental illness and to right. some, some degree true crime there's perpetrators. There's a yeah. crossover with knowing what's going on in the minds of people who commit crimes and I guess it might cross over with my psychology yeah. degree. Um, some, well, maybe that's why. It does seem like yeah. a global obsession at the moment, you know, how how people's minds work and, um, yeah, especially if they happen to be serial killers. <laughs> I, yeah. I must say, I'm more interested in how they solve the crime okay, than, right. um, than the actual crime. Yeah, it is nice when they get solved. <laughs> um, we started with crocodiles, and let's go back there, because I first met you when you were about to take the world stage at an awards ceremony with a bit of a difference. Can you tell us about the Ig Nobles? Um, oh, yeah, so um, Ig Nobles, it's an award given to uh, 10 people every year. So they award it to um, research which is both 
quirky or, or funny or a bit out there, but also contributes to the, the you know the research community. Um, so I guess um, we had quite a few nominations for the crocodile study, even though it was published quite a few years ago. And we got awarded the Ig Nobel in economics because it is around gambling, which is money. And we went to Harvard Uni, myself and Matthew Rockloff, um, mm-hmm. and received an award. And it looked like a big head with a question mark on it. And um, <laughs> that sits in my office. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And it, it did get global interest as well. I think um, the fact that it was Australian research coming a crocodile. <laughs> regional Australia and related to yeah. crocodiles. Yeah. It definitely piqued a lot of interest. Yeah, and a part, like they're, they're pretty, um, you know, tongue in cheek, uh, an award ceremony for it. So when you go, you're supposed to get dressed up. So yeah. Matt and I dressed up as Stephen. Um, well, we the crocodile hunter outfit, as yeah, you can imagine. Right. So okay. <laughs> there's some pictures out there of that. <laughs> I would definitely recommend everyone Google that right now. <laughs> but but yeah, exciting um, exciting to know where good research and research with a bit of an interesting take can take you. And it sounds like that's exactly what your research is at the moment. You know, doing something that's different and interesting in a world that not a lot of people really know about. Yeah, I hope it I hope it contributes to the knowledge out there on it. I'm engaged in other types of research at the moment too. Yeah, okay. The the experimental gambling research lab, who I work with a large team of really great researchers. We've won quite a few grants recently, so yeah. we're working our butts off on a lot of different research into particularly the type of stuff I'm looking at, plus um, uh, loot boxes, which is topical at the moment. I don't know what they are. Uh, loot box is another video game item. Okay. Um, basically, it, it's a box. Um, you buy it right. with money, um, and you don't know what you're getting when you open it. Okay. And you get a random item in it, which could be a skin. Um, and so it's considered gambling-like, you know, because right. you're okay. paying you're taking money, a chance. Yeah. You're taking a chance. So okay. it, it's been uh, spotlight's been on it internationally. Right. And last year, the Australian government did an actual inquiry into microtransactions like that. Really? Um, and found that, you know, it is concerning and we need to do more research in that area. And that's exactly what oh, we know some of our team are doing. Yeah. Great. It feels like there is a growing interest in gambling research as well. What's, what's that meant for you? So as a part of my research um, and the team, we're highly engaged in, you know, disseminating our research getting it out there so i've been to a few conferences over the last few years um this year i went to uh japan and i presented at an addictions conference um with a couple of colleagues and that was fun there was a think tank earlier this year uh, which focused on getting a select few together and and focusing on what policy and regulation should be doing around gambling and last week no, a couple of weeks ago I presented at the uni, so that might be recorded somewhere, and at the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation, and I believe I have a couple more coming up in October. So Fantastic. I, I think there's a lot of interest in the topic because there's not much known about it. Oh, bet. Are yeah. you getting people bailing you up afterwards? Yes, to... uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So you've explained the idea, and they're like, okay, so how do I know if my kids are playing? Is that the main Yeah, basically. Oh, <laughs> I, you had um, someone admit that their kids spent thousands of dollars on on um 
their in-game items right. uh, without their knowledge. Oh my gosh! No, it's just put parental controls on your yeah. <laughs> on your. Okay, well, it's good you put a solution ready to go. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't throw worry out there and not and sort of throw suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> Look, so glad to have you on CQ Uni's The Grapevine. Thank you so much for sharing so much really interesting stuff with us, Nancy, and can't wait to hear where it goes from here. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening on The Grapevine. Like this podcast? Don't forget to rate, review and share with your friends.